Welcome to Voices of ASEAN, a platform built for you where we connect shakers and movers of this region to one another. Business, lifestyle, people, perspectives, news, and the soul of the people from all over Southeast Asia. My name is Beatrice and here's a question for you. What drives someone to give up a successful career in the corporate sector to set up a non-profit to help the less fortunate? Now, with me today in our virtual studio is someone who can answer that question, Brian Greenwood. In 2013, Brian was a high flyer in the banking industry, armed with a CV which included senior leadership roles in Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase and Providence Savings Bank, he helped make wealthy clients manage and grow their money. Today, Brian continues with that job, but he also continues to help enrich people and lives, but with a difference here. Through Benjamin 1784, the nonprofit organization he founded and leads, Brian and his team are helping entrepreneurs in lower income countries get a head start through a unique microfinancing model he calls donation lending, where recipients now get this, this is my favorite part. They need not pay it back, but instead they pay it forward. Now already 378 entrepreneurs have been helped this way and more are being added to the list. Joining us live from Bangkok, Thailand, here is Brian Greenwood. Brian. Hello, Beatrice. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Nice to, see you. nice to see you again. Okay, Brian, I'm going to start with something you wrote in your LinkedIn profile, which was so thought-provoking, and I want to quote it here for the audience. Okay. In 2013, I felt a void in my commercial banking career. I was doing well helping wealthy clients, but I wasn't making a real difference. I was succeeding professionally, but failing morally. Can you tell, us, tell our viewers, what was that moment, that catalyst, which made you come to that conclusion, because these are really deep, profound words. Oh, thank you. Uh, in 2013, I was uh, 43 years old, right? Mm. And uh, I, I think that uh, all of us at some point of our lives, you know, whether younger or older, uh, we, we feel like uh, we need to give back, yes. right? That we yes. need to live beyond ourselves, right? Yes. Something that's unselfish, right? And so uh, in 2013, I was working in a bank as a vice president um, doing commercial real estate financing. Um, I was comfortable. I just bought my second home and I was uh, driving my dream car, a, a Porsche 911. And I had this feeling like, uh, like an emptiness, like I wasn't doing enough uh, to make the world a better place. And, uh, and so that's how I, uh, I came across microfinance and that's why I got involved in it. Mm. Um, since that time, when you said you came across, but how did you, um, I mean, how did you come with this idea? You, got, you came into microfinancing, but mm. then how did it become Benjamin 1784? Uh, sure, sure. So uh, in 2013, I was looking for uh, a nonprofit organization to get involved with. And, uh, and I came across Kiva, which is a, a nonprofit organization that specializes in microfinancing, helping borrowers all over the world, um, all kinds of borrowers, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but all low income. And uh, I started uh, lending with them. I lent a gal in the Philippines, right? Uh -huh. 
And, uh, and then uh, I didn't charge anything, and then she paid me back, and then I just kept repeating it over and over and over and over, right? And then... Um, and what was that called? Kiba, is it? Yeah, Kiba. 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 They're a uh, microfinance organization. That they, mm -hmm. they really are making a big difference in the microfinance industry. And mm -hmm. uh, they, they help, uh, they've done over a billion dollars in, in financing. And yeah, it's a great organization to be involved with. Mm. So it was um, together but, with them that you, you went forward yeah, with this. Yeah, and I, I'm still with them, right? Yeah. Um, they're an intermediary, right? Mm. They connect um, people like me to, to microfinance institutes all over the world. And then we fund the microfinance institutes and then they, they um, pay us back the money. Um, and so that's how I was working for about uh, eight, eight years, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a traditional way of working in microfinance. We fund mm -hmm. through a microfinancing institute. Mm -hmm. um, what I didn't like about uh, microfinance institutes, so it's been kind of a love-hate relationship being in microfinance. Mm -hmm. uh, I like making a difference. Uh, what I dislike is that the majority, um, like 99% of microfinance institutes uh, are for-profit industries. And so you're lending them 0% um, interest-free money, but they're taking your money and then they're making a profit off of it, right? Yeah. I didn't like it, but I didn't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And so um, during the last year, we had our first lockdown, COVID lockdown here in, mm -hmm. in Thailand. Yeah. Um, I had the same kind of moment I had in 2013. Like, what else can I do? Mm. And I thought, well, why don't I just continue what I'm doing, do mm. more of it, and do it different, do it better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I came up with the idea of donation lending, mm. which is unique. Nobody's yep. in the micro industry is and working. From that time until now, you have given microloans to needy entrepreneurs in underdeveloped yeah. and developing countries. It's amazing how far you've grown. Thank and you. in 2020, you moved to Thailand. You founded Benjamin 1784. But yeah. I'm, I'm just impressed with how fast you've grown. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and um, I want to know how you actually, the, the whole moving to Thailand and Benjamin 1784, how did all these events come together in a short period of time? Sure. So um, four years ago, we just, uh, it was a family emergency. Um, I married to a Thai woman mm -hmm. and uh, her her mother passed away, um, mm -hmm. and uh, so we moved out here quickly, unexpectedly, sold everything, quit our jobs, mm -hmm. and, um, and I just kind of came here without a plan. And, <laughs> and, Brave. Yeah. And uh, so, like I mentioned, in the COVID lockdown, I had a lot of extra time on my hands, and, and I just started, uh, you know, using my brain. I, you know, I'm a banker, so I think about these kind of things, and uh, and I with, and I thought, well, how could we cut the cost of uh, microfinance? What do we have to do? Mm. And I'm like, well, if we were to give give uh, donations instead of loans, but we call them loans, mm -hmm. and then when people make repayments, they're actually making a donation, which mm. is simply transferred to another entrepreneur with no fees and no interest. And I'm like, well, if we could do it like that, then uh, we could have a real new microfinance model, right? Yeah. And uh, at that time when I was researching it, the, the closest thing I could find was something in Islamic finance. I'm not a Muslim myself, but in Islamic finance, they're not allowed to charge interest. So they do something mm -hmm. similar, right? Mm -hmm. They call it like a goodwill loan. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's tough to find. And obviously, that kind of financing isn't available to everybody. 
And so um, during my research, I also found a, a little story of Benjamin Franklin. Um, mm. As you know, he's a historical figure. Mm -hmm. um, he's one of the founding fathers of America. Yes. Uh, he was a great scientist, discovered yes. electricity. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, he was also an entrepreneur. He yeah. worked. Um, uh, he worked in the press, like you, right? And he made a living out of that. And um, in eighteen seventy-four, he had a friend that was experiencing temporary poverty, and he found out about it, and he wrote him a letter. And, uh, and he sent him some money too. And in the so you're letter, emulating he, what Benjamin Franklin did. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So he, he sent some money. He said, I'm, I'm giving you a loan, but when you repay the loan, I don't want you to pay it back to me. I want you to find somebody else who needs help and give them a loan and give them the same instructions to pay it forward. And that happened in 1784. Yes. And yes. that's how you got your name. That's oh, this is such a great story. <laughs> <laughs> so it has unlocked the mystery because we were in the office, we were wondering, how did Benjamin 1784 come about? So now the question yeah. is answered. Yeah, but that's, that's such a... an amazing story. Thank okay. you. You once said, I want to turn microfinance upside down and remove undue burdens placed on the shoulders of the poor. And with donation lending, you do not ask borrowers to pay, pay, the, pay back the loan, but instead pay it forward. You've explained that. But how do you manage the logistics of it? I mean, what if they don't? Yeah. How do you continue so, with that? Yeah, you know, we don't work like with a legal contract. You know, when you uh -huh. get a bank loan, you're, you're signing a, a document with dozens and dozens of pages of disclosures and uh and you're you know you're signing your life away if you don't pay back that loan they're going to take your house garnish yeah. your way, right take you to court um uh, and that's one of the reasons micro uh, finance is so expensive right? yeah. yeah there's a lot of legal oh well, banking in, in general is expensive right yeah. Yeah. Uh, banking to the poor is more expensive than regular banking because the loans are so small Right. Mm. So it, it's hard to make a profit when the loan size is so tiny. Right. Yeah. And so when we do a loan, uh, a donation loan, we work with no legal contract. We work with a promise. Right. So mm -hmm. we ask our borrowers to make a pledge, a promise that they'll donate back to us so we can donate to other entrepreneurs just like them. So they donate and, back to you and then you give it to some. Exactly. Ah. So we okay. can find, we're always looking for new people. And when they don't pay us back, there's no legal consequences, but there are uh, three other consequences. Okay. Number one, um, they break a moral, uh, it's a moral failure. They mm -hmm. break a promise they made. And I believe there are a lot of people who are honest and their word is important to them. Right? And number two, uh, when they default and fail to pay, uh, the money that they promise to pay will not be available to help someone just like them, mm, right? Mm. So, uh, and then number three, uh, the third consequence of, of default is if enough borrowers uh, don't pay us back, our, our organization may fail. Yes. So it's that, so they feel the, the moral in, uh, obligation to do what they promised to do. And, that, exactly. and can I ask yeah. you, I'm not sure if you can answer this, but um, have all of your 378, out of your 378 um, mm -hmm. members, can I call them members or your, how would you call, how would you define them? 
I mean, no. technically they're borrowers. You're borrowers, mm -hmm. okay. Have they, how many of them have mm -hmm. actually paid it forward? Well, our, our default rate, we have several lending programs. You know, we have a, a lending program with Kiva. We have another one with, uh, with CARE and another one with Novica. And, uh, and our longest program is with Kiva. Um, our, our newest one, the one that we're really trying to push forward is the donation lending. That's what makes mm -hmm. us a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, our default rate is 0.55. So it's less than 1%. And uh, although that's extremely low, it's not unusual for the microfinance industry. The microfinance industry has a default rate of maybe two and a half percent. So we're mm -hmm. below that curve. So you're lower than one percent? Yes. Uh, yes. That's pretty good. Thank you. That's pretty mm -hmm. good. So there's a lot of good people in this world. Yes, yeah, there's definitely a lot of good people, and not just the not just our entrepreneurs that we try to serve, um, but our volunteers too. Yeah. You know, we um, at a bank, you have a, one of the reasons banking is expensive is you have loan officers, right, and yeah. branches. Yeah. Like that. So we rely on people to volunteer. Yeah. Right, and they're not bankers, right? But I I I, I hire volunteers that um, usually upward of thirty years old, right. Mm -hmm and have at least five years of uh, post-university experience working in any field, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they, they've accomplished something, they know how to get things done. And, and so I bring them on board and I teach them how to be a loan officer, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, you have to uh, learn how to, to do due diligence, do yep. spreadsheet analysis, right? Wow. And, um, and figure out cash flow and how much debt a borrower or an entrepreneur can afford with their little business. And these volunteers, they don't get paid? They don't get paid, no. And, wow. uh, and they, all, they all have full-time jobs. They're really busy. Wow. Um, wow. We have volunteers, uh, uh, half of them have MBAs, another one has a PhD. Uh, I'm trying to um, board a, a gal from the United Nations. Uh, she works there as an economist. She works on a macro level. She's interested in working with us on a micro level. Oh, Brian, right? you're changing the face of the finance industry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but Thank I'm you. sure you have received a lot of requests for financing all over the world. How do you decide which cases to highlight? Well, we don't do it online. You know, that also makes us a little bit different. We're very old school the way okay. we operate. And we have to be because we're working with a promise. Of course, right? of course. So I find, uh, I find volunteers that I can trust mm -hmm. and that they go find people that they can trust. Right? Mm. And, um, and then they make recommendations and we have a steering committee of donors. There's about 40 of us donors, right? Mm -hmm. And together we make a decision on whether we want to, to lend to this person. So uh, we find people through um, our volunteers. I see, That's I see. So how do, you, how do you get this word out? I mean, this is great, but how, how mm -hmm. do many, there may be many people who desperately need these loans and they would probably, they may never have heard of Benjamin 1784. How, yeah. how do, besides the volunteers, because there's a limited space of how much volunteers can reach out to, how do you get the word out besides using the volunteers? So, yeah, we are a tiny organization. You know, we're really a startup. And, you know, as I mentioned to you, uh, you're the, the first media company that's discovered us, right? So we're just starting to get known. Um, what, uh, so people like us will help you. 
Yeah, you are. You help me. This is a big deal for us, right? And, uh, I'm a little bit media shy, but I know this is important for our organization, so I'm meeting with you. Um, I think, uh, you know, at the rate we're going, although we're growing fast, we're still helping hundreds. Yeah. We'll get to thousands, but, you know, the world is big and there's billions, yes. right? Yes, and, and don't get so, me wrong. I think you've done incredibly well. You Within two years, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, two years, you've yes. got 378 people that you're helping through your method. I think it's impressive. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I'm hoping that it'll catch on with much larger institutes, right? Mm -hmm. I want to show that this can be done. You know, the whole concept of microfinance began in the 70s with, uh, with a, a gentleman uh, named Mohammed Yanis. He's yes. known as the Grameen Bank, right? Yeah. yeah. He's the founder of Grameen Bank. And, yes. and before Grameen Bank, he was uh, uh, a professor an economist and uh and before Grayman Bank, before he founded that and before he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, yeah. he was just a professor and uh he used to walk to work in Bangladesh yes. and he would at the slums and all the street vendors and he was a friendly guy. Yes. And he got to know people and he found out that uh, uh all of these people were borrowing from um, sharp vendors, right? Mm. And uh, yes, why don't you borrow from a bank? Yeah. Right. And uh, they said, the banks won't lend to them. And so he went to talk to the banks, right? Why don't you lend to these people? And, the, and their answer was, you can't make money off the poor and they won't pay us back anyways, right? Hmm. And so, you know, he started thinking again. And he went back to the bank and he said, well, how about if I was the guarantor? Would you lend hmm. to them? He's like, even if you're the guarantor, there's no money lending to the poor. We're not going to do it. So... Uh, they did in Bangladesh, you know, compared to Thailand and and, and uh, Malaysia is uh, is very very poor, you know, um, and it, it's it's poor today and it was very poor back then too, right? Mm. And uh, so for twenty seven dollars, he realized he could help like a group of forty women, right? So he lent forty women twenty seven dollars for their business, so they would stop going to the loan shark. And he charged a tiny amount, it was just 3%, right? Something like that. And they all paid him back, right? And he was amazed, like, because the bankers told him, they'll never pay you back. And uh, not only did they pay him back, he had a little tiny profit. It wasn't really for profit, but he did charge like a 3%, right? In cost of inflation. And so then he lent it out again and again and again, kind of like what we tried to do, right? And uh, what he proved was that the, um, Poor people will pay you back, yes. right? And uh, once that uh, was established, the, um, uh, he, he found a great bank, you know, with a local bank over there. It was a program, and it became a bank. And then when when Grayman Bank was established, suddenly the microfinance industry was created, right? Everybody jumped in, right? And mm. today, a multi-billion-dollar industry, right? And uh, the way the industry works is they charge a lot of money. You know, it's like you and I, when we were uh, as middle class um, borrowers, when we go to the bank, we can buy a house and, and borrow at two and a half percent, right? Mm -hmm. If we have a business without collateral, maybe we can borrow at eight percent, right? And these low rates uh, that we have now have been around since the first Great Recession, right? About eight, mm -hmm. eight ten years we've had rates close to zero, right? And all that time, for poor people, the, the rates have never gone down. They've stayed the same, even gone up, 
right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not talking about loan sharks, but banks themselves are charging 26, 30, 50, 80 percent. I always thought too much. (laughs) It is too much. It's too much. So I'm hoping that our little organization, even as we help hundreds, maybe thousands, will get noticed by much larger organizations and they'll start imitating what we're doing, right? Our business model could easily complement, you know, banks today, they all have a, they call it a CSR, ESG um, responsibility, which is corporate social responsibilities, right? And environment. uh, Social uh, and governance. Exactly, right? So uh, it's something that shareholders are demanding today, that their companies do more than just make a profit. But that they give back to the community and they and they don't pollute the earth, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, public companies all over the world are making a push for this, right? And so they're looking for opportunities, and this could be one of them, right? Yeah. And it blends in perfectly because they're they're already bankers; they already know how to do lending, right? So maybe one out of twenty loans that they do could be a donation loan, mm, yes. right? Yes. Different effort program, yeah. and uh, when that starts to happening. Uh, then we'll have truly made a difference. We'll have? And, and then we'll have truly made a difference. Yes, you would. You already are. I think this is, you already have. These are your steps. You're already done. You're just moving towards it. I'm so happy to have you on our show. These are the okay. kind of things more people should talk about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they are, you know, people. Um, when I started this organization, um, I just talked to my dad and you know my friends and family, right? and uh, and then a few bankers started supporting mm-hmm. us too, and and then you know next thing you know we were strangers, right? Yeah. So half of the people that donate to our organization are strangers that yeah. I've never met. They're friends now, yeah. but they were just yes. people you know looking for something good to do. How do you get? I mean, how? What is your definition of a donor? How much do they have? Do they have to park? to be able to uh, support the people that they're microfinancing? What, where, where do they come from? Are they corporates? Are they average men? They're, they're just regular people. We haven't had any large corporate donors or any foundational funding yet. So when I say we have 40 donors, there are 40 individuals, oh, okay. right? Mm. And uh, most of them will donate maybe $5 a month, right? And then uh, one of our board advisors, he donates $300 a month. Uh, and I've been actively donating for a long time too. So um, uh, I'm new to the nonprofit world, right? And I'm new to fundraising too. So I'm learning as I go. Um, and one of the things that we need to do better is to, to get foundational grants and things like that. Um, but we're just not there yet. We're just, you know. Uh, You'll get there. Yeah, just learn. <laughs> You'll get there. Brian, a lot of the entrepreneurs who receive financing from Benjamin 1784 are women. Seven, yeah. And I was reading somewhere that 74% of microfinancing recipients worldwide are women. But what is it about women that make them ideal recipients? And I, and I looked at all your, you know, your collaterals. They're all women. Yeah, yeah we, it, um, we don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we tend to lend to women. Um, I like lending, personally, I like lending to women because you know, I have a mother, I have a sister, I have a daughter, right? And uh, I feel like uh, women are the, the better gender, right? They make great entrepreneurs, right? They're uh, very um, detail-oriented, uh, very driven, right? 
all the things that you need to be an entrepreneur, I think, are kind of natural for women. Uh, and uh, in a, at the in microfinance, it's a different type of entrepreneur, right? Um, <clears throat> for example, if you know you're a media expert, you know I'm a banker by profession, right? Maybe you've always dreamed of owning your own business, right? And uh, and so you're like, oh, my dream, I'm I'm going to open up an Indian restaurant in. Uh, in Kuala Lumpur, right? Mm. You know, and it's going to be so successful, right? So you might uh, quit your job, you know, mm. as a CEO of a media company and start that because it's mm. always been your dream. Right? Uh, and, and suppose you did do that, right? You sign a lease agreement, you hire restaurant workers, right? And you open your doors, you spend a bunch of money on furniture and fixtures, and then three months later, you have no customers. Yeah. Right? No customers. So, you know, after a while, you're like, okay. I need to close the shop and I need to go back to what I was doing, what I know how to do, right? You have a plan B, right? So a lot of the people that we work with, there is no plan B. They're not entrepreneurs because they have this, this vision, right? Mm. This dream of owning their own business. They're, they're entrepreneurs because there's no other choice. No choice. Maybe they're discriminated against, right? It could be discrimination of, of gender, age, right? Um, race. Uh, refugee status, it could be a whole bunch of things, uh, reasons why they are entrepreneurs working for yeah. themselves, right? And so um, when I think of women entrepreneurs, like street vendors and informal workers, um, you know, really they're, they're, that's their income, right? Yeah. So providing for their families, right? They're not trying to become the next Bill Gates. They're yeah. just trying to make a living to, to put food on the table for their kids. Exactly. And, uh, you know, women never give up on those kind of things. You can't, you know. We don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, I don't know, but I think that probably is the reason why so many micro-entrepreneurs happen to be women. I totally agree with you. I just had to have you say it for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Out of the 378 people that Benjamin 1784 has provided financing for so far, tell me some of your most memorable cases, things that touched your heart and made you smile and say, it's all worth it. Yeah, sure. Um, probably the most memorable was uh, the first one I did um, was to a lady named Marilyn, uh, mm -hmm. a 33-year-old woman in the Philippines, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, I never done it before. I was curious about what would happen if she would pay me back, um, if it would make a difference, right? So how much is normally a loan, a microfinancing loan? How much is the value, roughly? So uh, it's small, right? Uh, the, the industry app is about 1,700, 1,700 US dollars, right? Okay, okay. Um, and that is um, a large amount for my Yes. Yes. Um, that's just an average. A lot of people are just looking for a hundred dollars, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then it depends on the country too. Like uh, where you're at, a um, hundred dollars wouldn't make much of a difference for anybody, right? Um, nor in Thailand, right? But in Cambodia, in Miramar, like two hundred, hundred dollars would be a big deal, right? And in Africa too. Right? So, um, so yeah, so seventeen hundred and. It's about the average, yeah? Ryan?
All right. Hi, Brian. You're back. Hi. <laughs> you gave me a little heart attack there. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, so where uh, were we? We were talking. Say, we're, we're in the wet season over here. Uh, it's and, okay. Well, there's it a happens. lot of rain in Thailand. It happens. Yeah. At least we have this, you know, and I can interview you and you're in Thailand and I'm here in Malaysia. We don't have to be sitting together in the same studio. So I, I, I'll give exceptions to these little lags. <laughs> okay, where yeah. will we? We were at an average amount of microfinancing would be about 1,700 USD. And yes. uh, you were telling us a story about Marilyn. Yeah, she was our, my, my first entrepreneur, the first person I helped. I was very excited to do it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, uh, this was kind of like the answer to, uh, you know, this feeling that I had, you know, wanting to do something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I never forgot about her. And then, uh, and then, you know, when she paid me back, I just simply, she was like a, the spark of a chain of events, right? Yeah. So everything she gave me back, I, I gave it to somebody else and just kept doing it over and over. So she was kind of like at the top of this pyramid. Yeah, that must have felt so good. It did, it did. And uh, another memorable one was uh, a gal in Colombia. Um, her name was uh, Juliana. And it's memorable to me because um, it was our first donation with a volunteer. Right? Mm. And, uh, and, and so this gentleman, he, um, he's like in his early 30s, our volunteer. Uh, and he has a full-time job. You know, he's a busy guy. And um, and so, you know, we, we brought him on board and he goes through a three-month training period, like a practice period. And not only is he donating his time to us, and his name is David Arias, right? Mm -hmm. Not only does he donate his time, but he also donates his money, right? So all of our volunteers also donate money. Wow. Right? Wow. And so when one of our... our um, we call our, our volunteers board advisors, right? And mm. all of our board advisors feel together. They come. Yeah. Yes, okay. we call them board advisors. So mm -hmm. um, so he he recommended somebody to us, this gal, Juliana. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was so excited. He sent us a picture. And, um, and, uh, and then we, we sent her the money. And, uh, and it was difficult to send her the money. Like, uh, we, went, we had a... We're trying to send it to them directly, right? Not through our advisor or some third party, but directly into them, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we tried a couple of avenues, and then we, you know, we send it through PayPal, mm -hmm. and um, and uh, the banks in Colombia would not allow her to transfer her balance from PayPal. It was five hundred dollars. Right? Wow! And uh, she was. <laughs> we're all frustrated, and I asked her. I go, "Can you please send it back to us? Send back that five hundred? Yeah. And I'll wire it to you directly into your bank account, right? And so <laughs> I can't imagine. So she had all this money and uh, and she just sent it back, right? Mm. <laughs> and then we sent it again to her, right? Mm. And so, uh, so when, when we did lend to her, our, our board advisor, David, he was also funding her, right? So it's not just us. So all of our board advisors, all of our advisors in the field, have invested financial interest in everybody that they recommend, right? And uh, so, yeah, it was it was a great feeling. There's a comment here. Uh, someone just said, just dropping a line to say kudos to Brian and his team for their excellent work. Thank, thank you, you Zayas. Zayas Watson. I just thought I had to read this out to you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
So, yeah, um, I'll move on to the next question then. What can sure. someone do if they want to become a donor or volunteer or offer any sort of help to Benjamin 1784? Sure. You know, it's, it's easy to become a donor. You just go on our website, benjamin1784.com forward slash donate, right? Right there on the front page is a big button at the top that says donate. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to do more than that, then just give money if you want to volunteer. Um, we've, we've designed our organization so that every single donor can also volunteer. So what does a volunteer have to do? What would be like a job scope for the volunteer? Yeah, the, you know, it, it, we're so small and we're so flexible. Right. So um, um, we have our board advisors who are volunteers. Right. That's the, probably the most difficult volunteer job. Right. Uh, because they have to go talk to strangers every day and uh, get to know them and they have to get their trust and, uh, and they have to share with their financials and if they need help. Right. So that it, and so to volunteer as a board advisor, we're looking for people that are have uh, a college degree and over 30 years old, typically. Um, someone that can work independently and wants to do some good. And they also need to, to work in our lending footprint. So mm -hmm. they need to, to, to live abroad, right? Um, mm -hmm. In a low to middle income country. So yeah. our board advisor position is not for Europeans or Americans, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it is for everybody else that's working outside of that area. And then our steering committee is is global. Anybody, you know, you can be American, you can be a European, you could be somebody living in Saudi Arabia, right? Mm. Uh, in a wealthy country. Um, but the steering committee is the decision-making body of our lending programs, right? Mm -hmm. So when we want somebody, um, um, we have a meeting uh, every, every Thursday. Uh, it's my Friday morning, it's California Thursday night. And uh, I make a presentation of people that I would like us to lend to, you know, people that have been recommended by our advisors mm -hmm. and people that are, uh, that I've found too. And uh, I spent about 30 minutes just presenting them. And, and then the, the donors who are in the steering committee uh, make a decision whether they want to fund. Mm, and I see. We fund, we, just, we take a vote. Yes or uh, no? I see. That's how it works. So, so you don't have to have your recipient putting a business plan and all that. So we just put the case. Yeah. yeah okay. no, all right. uh, the, the donors, I mean, the entrepreneurs, they don't have to do any spreadsheet analysis or anything like mm. that. That's what our advisors do, right? Um, but yeah, they keep it very informal. They're never going to bring their computer in a spreadsheet in front of their entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something they do back home. So yeah. when they're talking, they might be writing on a Right, but when they talk to us, um, there it becomes a formal presentation, right? Yeah, um, so that is a volunteer position, the steering committee, and, yeah. and it's open to, to all of our donors. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much you donate if you're donating five dollars a month or you're donating you know, a large amount, um, mm -hmm. you're, all, you're welcome to participate. Yeah, I think you're going to get a lot of donors after this. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you so much, Brian. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience? No, I just want to say how much I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much for, for noticing, for finding us and giving us this opportunity to, to share our voice and our work. And, uh, and I, I look forward to staying in touch with you. It's our pleasure, Brian. It's an honor to be a part of your journey. 
And I can't wait to see you grow and I can't wait to see the number of entrepreneurs grow and become so successful. Great journey. The great journey that you started. And um, rest assured, we are going to be there helping you along the way. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Take care.